Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's give a round of applause for God. Our Lord Jesus. And um, can we just give a round of applause to the youth in this house? Can we just like honor them? I'm telling you, I get excited when I see youth in the house active, doing what God has called them to do. Woo! Ain't nothing like it. I believe that worship was the way it was because Daniel opened it up in prayer. I mean, listen, the microphone didn't even want to work the minute he touched it. Why can that happen to me? Why is the microphone? God is so good. Uh, let's give a round to those that are a round of applause to those who are watching online. Amen. Welcome. We love you. And um, I just want to honor, you know, those that, you know, are from my side of town, uh, you know, from my workplace. I have a, a student here that played in my basketball team, uh, one of the most smartest kids in our school. George, you mind standing up? Let's give him a round of applause. Isn't he so cute? <laughs> God is so good. I'm excited. Um, I, like, I, I love the fact that, you know, Pastor decided to go on the topic of mercy, I think. And I always say this to myself and always to other people, that mercy is one of the hardest things to receive. Because a lot of us, you know, we kick ourselves. And we feel like we never could be forgiven. We feel like we can never be um, accepted. And a lot of us carry that for many, many years. And so God has to hit us with the palabra of Dios over our head. Amen. Carmen, that was for you. I had to throw that in there for you, girl, because I love you so much. You know, my Pentecostal side is coming out. Amen. It's somewhere in here. I don't know where it's at, but it's in there. It's in there. Um, you know, the first week, uh, Belinda came through with a wonderful message where she spoke about being ashamed uh, of the things that we've done wrong in our past. Um, and once you come to God... You know, I hope you know that all of that is washed away. That, that the, the shame that you feel, the shame that you feel over the things that you've done, it does not matter anymore. You really don't. You need to forget about it. The anger that we used to carry over the things that we don't have, you can let that go in the name of Jesus. Um, you being afraid. Many of us walk in fear. Um, I don't want to go too ahead of the, t- of the message, but a lot of us walk in fear. And, you know, we struggle with those things. I know that I do. Amen? How many of you can struggle with fear? If you can raise your hand. Oh, look at the bold people. Finally, we can have church in here. <laughs> I've been to another church preaching. I said, how many of you fear? And they go, you're lying. We all fear something. Amen? We're all scared of something. Come on, be real. Um, I'm excited about this title, man. Uh, when, when I got the call to... Uh, to speak about this title, I was so excited because I said, this is my ministry. This is me. Um, how many of you got excited about the title? You don't even know what the title is. I'm excited. I'm actually very excited about it. And trust me, I'm not nervous. I'm just anxious. Um, you guys want to know the title? That's it? Only one person wants to know the title? Listen, I can stay in an introduction all day. We won't move on until you guys get excited for the title. Amen? How many of you are excited for the title? God is so good. The title is God can use anybody. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God can use you. Now turn to the wall because some of you are facing the wall. Talk to the wall. God can use you. 
God can use the wall. Amen? You didn't know that. The wall is being used right now because it's keeping this roof up. Amen? You know, one of the main struggles, and I'm going to be a little transparent in this message because I don't care. Um, if you don't like me or don't like me, I'm not here for you to like me. I'm here to do what God has called me to do. Amen? As soon as I walked into the church, they go, what is this brother wearing today? And I go, I, I, um, um, I'm coming to preach the word. I'm not coming to a job interview. Amen? Like, I'm coming to preach the word. I'm working right now. Amen? Listen, I throw on the tie when we get the governor in here, the president of the United States. No, I'm just playing. God is good, though. Um, one of the greatest joys that we can have in this world is being used by God. It's one of the greatest joys. People don't understand how happy I get when they ask me to preach. I get excited. Listen, as soon as you ask me to preach, my mind just starts to blow up with different things. But it just starts to, like, do different things that it hasn't done for a long time. I start to think about, like, performances and... And movie titles and how many different actors we can invite, how many people that we could bring into church. I'm like, I want it to be a big thing. Amen? Because I know that it's not about me, but it's the fact that when I speak, I feel like God is, is, is alive. You know, because my past, I was so like bruised and, and beat up and battered that once I received God and I was able to talk about him, I feel rejuvenated again. I feel alive again. And that's why a lot of people, they go, Nate, why do you change from when you go to the pulpit and the minute you walk off, you're a totally different person? And I go, because I stopped preaching. Because the minute that I'm able to talk about God and the minute that I'm able to get involved in ministry, I feel alive. I feel alive. Because it's one of my greatest joy to know that God has changed me for the bad, from the bad all the way to the good for the glory of God. That, that, like, does something to me. And then when I see, like, youth get involved and, and want to be active in the church, that does something to me because I go, man, they're not going to have to struggle with the things I struggle with because they're already activating themselves in God. So they won't have to deal with those things that I had to deal with because they're already in the presence of the Lord. Man, I get excited when I hear a testimony about somebody being delivered from drugs. I get excited from a testimony of somebody um, that was going to go through a divorce and finally is back together again. Those things make me excited because they make me know that God is alive and that he's real and that he's still living and that he's still moving. That excites me. And this is why when I come to church, you see me and I've been in, I've been in Calvary for 10 years already. It's my 10th year in Calvary. That's pretty good. What was that? Going to the same thing every single Sunday for 10 years? That's pretty good. Come on now. (laughs) But I get excited because when I hear a a new testimony, when I see some of our brothers and sisters that have been struggling and they overcome, that that blesses me. It does something to me. Because the true purpose is to be used by God. It's not to dance in a pole. It's not to go out drinking and clubbing. That's not a purpose. That's a habit. A purpose is when you do something that affects somebody else's life. That's a purpose. And my purpose is to get before you and to be myself, but also to let God use me. Amen? I get excited when God uses me because God can use anybody. And in order for you to be used, you need to know that you're forgiven. Some of you can't accept that. You rather say, but Nate... Mm, you don't know who I was, Nate. 
You have no idea what I've done in my past. My singing would start coming out because there's no other way for me to express it but through song, amen? Come on. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to be nice. Let me stick to my notes before pastor does not invite me anymore. I miss you, pastor. I miss you, elder. I hope you heal up quick. Amen? He hurt his back. He's getting old. He's getting old. He's getting old. I can say that because he's not here, but his wife is like, it's my dad. I could do that. Amen? Amen? Listen, I like to have fun. Don't be all churchy in here. I don't like church people. You know? I like real people. I don't like church people that come in here. When... Nah, man. Let your hair down around me. Be yourself, amen? I ain't going to judge you. I want you to be you. Hallelujah. Let me stop being a clown and get ready. Let me get to work. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this time, oh God, that we have before you, these couple of minutes that we have to preach your word, oh God. And I pray that through this word, God, somebody will come to Jesus. I pray that through this word, somebody will receive your mercy and your forgiveness, God, and know that grace can overcome all things that we've done in our past. Lord, I pray that those that think they're in a high pedestal will come back down to reality, God, because there's nobody perfect in this world, oh Lord Jesus. And let us humble ourselves, oh God, before man and before you, Lord, knowing that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the author and finisher of our faith, God. So I thank you for being the Alpha and the Omega, God. I thank you for being the beginning and the end. Now I pray that I can step away and that you can use me for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. In Romans 6.13 it says, Give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, because you've been bought from death to life. Some of you need to cheer about that. Come on, give him a praise real quick. We'll repeat that for you. Maybe it went over your head, so I'm going to just say it over because I know I talk funny. It says, give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, because you've been bought from death to life. Still no praise. So let me say it again. Because you've been bought from death to life. That's a big deal that you've been bought from death to life. And now you want to be used by God for good and for his righteous purpose. Somebody give him a praise in the house. Listen, it is good to be used. It is good to be used. If you're not used, then what are you doing? If you're not being effective or operating, what are you doing? It's good to be used. For the purpose of God. It's not a bad thing to do God's will. It's a good thing to do God's will. The problem is that many of us secretly fear, feel or fear that God cannot possibly use us. We feel we, we automatically disqualify us. I guarantee you that if I was to go to one of you right now and give you the mic and say, here, brother, finish this whole sermon for me. I appreciate that. I got to use the bathroom. Drop the mic and walk away. You'll freak out. If you do that to me, I'm going to get excited because I understand that I know God can use me. I know that he can use me. I know that I can be used for God's glory and his purpose. I don't get intimidated. I get anxious because I want to know what God is going to do. I'm curious to see how God is going to use me this time around because I want to know what God is going to do through me. 
And if I say no, I will never see that. If I walk away, I will never see that. If the youth never decided to say yes to the dance, you guys wouldn't be blessed. They wouldn't be blessed. They'll still have that doubt in their mind like, can I really be used by God? Can I really fulfill this dance? If, if we didn't give the mic to Daniel to pray, would you think that he'll even think in his mind that I can do that pre-prayer in the morning time? But now that you allow them to get into that purpose, now they begin to grow more in their minds and in their spirit because they begin to understand that I can be used by God. And this is when you start to see an active church. Because as people begin to come out more and more, like how pastors doing, rising up different people that I thought would never grab a mic. And now they're grabbing a mic and I walk out of here crying because God is using them for their purpose. And this is how the church grows. This is how we continue to develop not only as people, but as leaders and as servants of God. It's not going to work by you sitting down and and staying there. You You have to be able to give this a try. I don't even know how I started preaching. I, I never went to a speaking class. Where, where did I get this ability from? I've never, me and Tony tried to sit down in, 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 a, in, a, in a Christian college, and we knew more than the teacher. How did that happen? We were, uh, uh, wrong scripture, different page. And we was like pulling hairs out because we was like, man, and it's crazy because you get a person that was a Satanist, and you get a drug dealer, and God used us to speak to somebody who was probably born and raised in the church. You know, the funniest thing was, when, when I first came to church, I'm pretty sure, and some of my, my, might not admit it, I'm pretty sure somebody said, he's not going to last two weeks. As soon as, you, as soon as you walk into the church, some of you, you feel like the, the conviction as soon as you walk in. Mind you, nobody has said anything to you. But you walk away, you walk in like, man, I cannot be accepted. <clears throat> Not in this church. This church is way too clean. Like, they don't know what my room looks like. And then you get into church and right away you disqualify yourself. Right away, you get in there, and your mindset is, this is not going to last long. God doesn't love me. And, and the struggle is not really the church and the building. It's really in here. It's really in here. Because this is where you begin to change. You know, a lot of people don't understand that when I first came to church, I didn't talk to anybody for like about a year. There was only two people that spoke to me was Brandon Crystal, I'll say more, Crystal and Elder Ross and Tony. For a whole year, I was sitting in the back, coming to church every day, high. Drunk, and my pants were sagging real low. <laughs> Who remembers that? <laughs> so Mickey remembers that. You know what I'm saying? Some of you be like, oh, Nate is such a Christian now. He's so holy. He's walking in righteousness, people. He can preach really, really good. But you guys don't understand the struggle that I go through just to come up here and grab the mic. Because don't get it twisted for one minute. The enemy doesn't want me to grab this. He don't want me to to speak in front of you. I can easily disqualify myself and walk away. 
because of the things that I've done. But when I think about the goodness of the Lord and, 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 and what he has done for me, I got to rejoice. I got to say yes. I got to move forward. I got to push myself. I got to get into my endurance place. I got to get into that place of stamina that no matter what anybody thinks of me or says of me, no matter what the enemy is trying to make me think, God knows that I am a valuable piece to the kingdom. Some of you are stuck in your past because of past mistakes. Man, if I can really show you my mistakes and the ones that I'm still doing to this day, what you think because you accept Jesus, the struggle's gonna, that's it, is it gonna stop? It gets harder. It gets harder. <laughs> I, I remember, man, I told Elder, I said, Elder, why you ain't tell me? Why you ain't tell me that when I accepted Jesus, this walk was gonna get a lot harder? <laughs> he told me that it was gonna be all good. He said, brother, everything's going to be all right. God loves you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to nourish you. And he never explained the middle part. <laughs> he never said nothing about the process. He never said nothing about the walk. He never said nothing about the late night crying. He never said nothing about the praise and the worship. He ain't mentioned none of that. He just said everything's going to be all right. And that's the only thing I heard. The past does not make you who you are. It, the past means nothing, especially if the past is negative. I'll tell you what the past does do. It makes you stronger. Your past makes you stronger. It does not make you weaker. Everything that I've been through in my life made me who I am today. But it's not defining who I am today. <laughs> you didn't hear that. You didn't hear that. Some of you need to hear that. My past made me who I am today, but it's not defying who I am today. You know, the funny part is that, you know, I can easily say no. I can easily say my past is stronger than my future. Because it's a decision. Some of you need to make that decision. That your past is not stronger than your future. And that you don't have to be what people think you should be. You don't have to be that way. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to disqualify yourself. You are qualified. Through the blood of Jesus, you are qualified. One of the prime examples that I have to explain and express exactly what I'm saying is talking about the Apostle Paul. There's a lot of people in the Bible that I can relate to to defend this message. And they all have been used to their own extent, but nobody was used like the Apostle Paul. And nobody did what the Apostle Paul did. I mean, he had a history. He had a reputation. He held it down. I mean, you know, how many of you... Watch these mobster movies. Mobster movies? Like The Godfather, you know, Goodfellas. 
How many of you know when the dawn comes in, what they do? What they do when the dawn walks in? Yo, they show utmost respect. Because you already know if you don't show him respect, what's going to happen? Thank you. Like Alice in Wonderland, off foot of his head. And that's how Paul was. Paul had respect. Wherever he went, people knew who he was. He wasn't no chump. He held it down. He was real. People knew who he was. When Paul walked in, and if you was a Christian, you better run. And it's funny because that's exactly the kind of reputation that a lot of people have is that their past, people know them. <laughs> Isn't it funny that in your past, everybody knows you, but when you come to church, it's like nobody really recognizes you? <laughs> I remember when I first walked into church, my pants were sagging, like, you better move on my way, and people was hugging me. What you hugging me for, boy? What's going You're messing up my reputation. I'm supposed to be hardcore. Al kissed me on my cheek, left my whole cheek bloody and uh, all red. I'm like, what you kissing me for? I did. After a while. In the beginning, I hated it. You know, I came into church and I was wondering why everybody was so happy, why people was like praising, people was giving money in this plate, and I was like, man, I should take the plate and buy some weed. (laughs) Man, I was thinking crazy when I first walked in. And I had struggles because the world knew who I was, but the church did not care. The only thing that they wanted for me was for me to be saved. I mean, they had a passion for that. They would come up to me every service. Do you want to come down to the altar so we can pray for you? (laughs) You think I'm going to go to that weird place where people was like singing different type of languages and people are falling in the back and you got to bring a curtain or put over them? I don't want to go there. (laughs) What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? That's that Chris Tucker, Rush Hour. What's wrong with you, man? It was weird. I'm not going to lie. It was weird. And for a year, because I'm a type of dude that I sit back and I observe. I got to watch. You know what I'm saying? I just can't go anywhere and just do whatever. Not even like, when we went to um, uh, City Island on Friday, I couldn't even sit with my back towards the people because I don't trust nobody. And I got Jesus in my life now. So imagine when I didn't have him. <laughs> I was on the corner like Sammy right now, like this. Like, let somebody try right now. I'll tell you I'm going to knock you out. You're going to come up to me. I ain't playing with you right now. <laughs> I'm going to be me, y'all. I'm sorry. We only have to look at the life of Paul to define these myths. No follower of Jesus has been, been used more um, by God than Paul. I'm, I'm going to reference a lot of um, my message in 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 18, where we find um, uh, Paul's secrets of staying usable. Because I'm pretty sure that Paul went through exactly what I go through. How can I be used by God with everything that I did in my past? And everything that's going on right now. I can't wash away 19 years of my life. I can't wash away four years of my life. However long you've been in the world, that takes time to wash away. But the problem is, you can still be used through that time, through that process of... So, for example, if I've been saved uh, for four years, 
and I sit down for four years, I'm not doing anything. But the minute that I spent that one year in church, that second year, I was already moving. Because I remember that day when Mickey saw me, Minister Mickey saw me on the stage. And I was helping Brandon out. We was, you know, we used to be in the auditorium. We, not, we wasn't as rich and fancy as we are now. <laughs> we was kind of poor. We was struggling. You know. You know what I'm saying? How the song we started from the bottom, now I'm here. That's how, that's how the church was. When we got this new church building, we was like, we started from the bottom, now I'm here. Because we know what the struggle is. And I remember we was breaking down the, the, the speakers. Let me tell you something, those speakers are heavy. And they used to do this every Sunday. It's, it's twice in a Sunday. Thank you, Tony. And it was hot. Because that would have told me I have no AC. And we had sweaty armpits. But we were doing it onto the glory of God, amen. I had no idea what I was doing. And, and a lot of you might not understand, Mickey has this distinct voice. For those of you that don't know her, I'll break it down for you. It goes, hey, you. I go, wait. How, how is it? It's just like that, right? It's like, it's like, yeah, there we go. Oh, thank you. Help me preach. So she was like, she was like, hey, you. And I'm like, who are you talking to? Because, you know, I've seen them. You know, they were always in the front praising and worshiping. And they were the people that were making people fall and shake for no reason. I had no idea who they were. I thought they had, like, spiritual powers. Like, when they could go into me, like, oh, do it. I thought that do it. I was bugging out. I was like, man, she just called me. I ain't trying to fall right now. You understand what I'm saying? I got to help him with the speakers. And um, I got scared. You know, she was like, hey, you. And I was like, what is she want? She's going to hit me with the word. And there's going to be water sprinkling. And then she just asked me real nice and calm, do you want to be a part of a youth ministry? And I had no idea what that was. I had no idea what I was going to get myself into. I had no idea what a youth ministry is or anything. But the only thing that I could muster up to say was, yes. I had no idea that I was going to get involved in it. I had no idea that I was going to grow in it. I had no idea that I was going to develop in it. I had no idea that I was going to grow to have a passion for youth. I had no idea. But it was the decision that I made at that moment that propelled me into my development. And a lot of us have that same decision to make today. What decision are you going to make to forgive yourself? What decision are you going to make to forget your past? Hallelujah. Or are you going to still allow that to come in the way? Never forget, it's all about, it's all because of God's mercy. Yes, it's because of his mercy. There's nothing that you can do. Nothing that you can say. Nothing, you can't act a certain way for God to love you. Yes, he just loves you. Right. Und, you know, mercy is undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. Mercy is undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. You don't deserve it. You don't. But he gives it to you anyway. <laughs> and that, that doesn't make you want to dance. All right. Let me give you a prime example. When I was younger, my mom had this vase in the house that was a beautiful vase. And it was on this light, like nice little, like a, like a stool, you know? And me and my brothers, you know, we were clowns. We were boys. How many of you got, got, how many of you got little boys? Don't they like to wrestle and jump everywhere? 
and climb on certain stuff? Huh? I seen one little boy the other day climbing the AC. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then my wife was like, boys have to be boys, honey. It's okay. It's not okay. He's about to climb on the roof. And uh, we were playing in the living room, and everybody knew you cannot get next to this vase. Um, and I don't know if you've been close enough to my head, but I have like two scars. The, the, no, this one is a ball spot. I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about one of these up here on the, either uh, on either side. Don't judge me, all right? My wife bought me this new Dominican shampoo. What's the name of it? No, what's the name of the other shampoo? Seriously, Vita Grow. Amen. I got like three new hairs. Pretty soon, my whole face is going to be hair, like. And God is like, I told you not to use the shampoo. I told you not to use it. I told you not to use it. I should have listened, Lord. I should have listened. <laughs> you got to love yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Like, don't try to change who God is making you to be. Amen? So I got two scars in the top of my head. We were playing in the living room, and uh, there goes this vase. We used to have this Garfield quilt. Anybody know the cartoon Garfield? Um, it was like black and white, had different squares, hoping one of you, no, nobody had it, okay? So, when I'm, you know, my, my older brother, my, so I have two older brothers, I'm the youngest out of four. Um, the two oldest used to pound me out every day. That means beating you up, just in case you don't know that terminology, sorry. I'm losing myself. Um, so they used to beat me up really, really bad. And um, they used to take turns, right? One of them used to hold me like this, and they'll take turns punching me in my chest. One of them would like hold me in a headlock and punch me up here. So much so they have a permanent knot. <laughs> so you got to act like you never saw it before, right? It's okay. I know that it's there. It's fine. <laughs> so I had like this permanent knot. And I remember that one of them pushed me, right? Like they put the thing over me and they, they did like a spear. It was like a wrestling move that Christian and Edge use. And now Seth Rollins uses that or Roman Reigns. And, um, you know, they hit me like that. And I was so light and little that I, I flew like literally across the room. And what do I fall on? On the vase. On the vase. And I didn't know God at the time. But I prayed for mercy. (laughs) Boy, oh boy, that prayer was deep. I think I was speaking in tongues even before I even knew what tongues was. <laughs> I know there was blood everywhere, and the only thing that could come out of my mouth was please, because the only thing I thought about was my mom coming home and putting the hands on me that would make me 35 years old. Amen. And I remember her walking in, and and tears just flew down my eyes. And I thought about acting, guys. I was an actor way before Brad Pitt and Will Smith, and I was sitting there, and I was like, and I looked at my mom like so. And I said, please have mercy on your boy. And she said, who did it? I said, they did. <laughs> and she put the beat down of a life on my two brothers. And I was sitting on the side. <laughs> Hit him again, mom. But I received God's mercy that day. You have no idea. Listen, I probably wouldn't be standing here before you if it wasn't for that prayer of mercy. Amen. How many of you could relate to those type of prayers before your parents came home and they were going to put some hands on you, but then you pray, Lord, if you save me just this one time, I promise I will serve you forever. Come on now. Play yourself. You don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. Nobody told me to be in the living room playing around. 
But I did it. And God still found favor. And he still showed me his love. And I stand before you a proud man saying this story, knowing that God's mercy is real and alive. Amen? Having way too much fun, Pastor. Thank you so much for the opportunity. <laughs> Second Corinthians 4.1, it says, God in his mercy. Woo, there you go. In his mercy has given us this ministry and work to do. Don't you understand that when you get saved, God gives you mercy to do his ministry? Woo, isn't that cool? <laughs> that through all the mistakes that you've done, The minute that you come to God, he says, listen, I have something for you to do. You don't deserve to do it, but I'm going to give you the mercy to fulfill it. So whatever it is that you had in your past, I'm going to forget about it. We're going to throw it away. We're going to erase it off the chalkboard, and we're going to start over. And I need you to do this for me because I'm going to give this to you. That's powerful, y'all. You know, a lot of times we use our talents for the wrong things. I could easily go and be a comedian. You guys know I could. But I won't because my job is here. My calling is here. I'm called to talk about God and to, and to present his message in a different way. You know, a lot of people say, I don't know if I want to get involved in the ministry. But do, do you know what the meaning of ministry means, Tony? Yo, this is why you're a minister. This is why you got a certificate on your office. Because you're a minister. It means service. And service doesn't only happen in the church. Service happens when you have a mom that has old timers. Service happens when you have an uncle that's probably passing away or going through some things. Service means that you're servicing your children. Service means that you're servicing your husband and your household. That's ministry. A lot of people think that, oh, because I'm not good at talking, I can't do God's will. But anything that you do in this world is God's will. If you point it up to him. And if you do it for him. This is what I understand how some of these rappers want to put curse words in music. That's not for him. That's for when I was in the street. I want to hear how you can make rap music relevant to the youth without cursing. That's a real rapper to me. You don't got to change the game. You're being the same way. That means you don't want to change the game. You want to be the same way. You got to be yourself. A lot of people say, again, that you don't know about your past. Your past does not matter. I don't have to prove my worth. I don't have to go out and get a job that has a fancy title to let you know that I'm somebody. I don't have to seek those things. You know, my job doesn't show who I am. It doesn't give me worth. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't. I'm, I'm up here speaking as a brother, not a minister, not a pastor, not anything. But I'm still giving it 100%. Amen. You know, when you get freed and when you accept Jesus, you have to move. You can't stay still. And you have to learn and you have to know that God can use you for who you are. You don't have to turn around and be like somebody else. I cannot be Tony. 
No matter how bad I want to go up there and play the guitar and sing at the same time, I can't do it. I can't be you. I got to be me. You know, I struggle even with this today. You know, what should I wear? Should I wear the tie? Should I wear the suit? Should I wear the clothes? Whatever it is. I'm like, I got to be me. And my wife tells me, you got to be you. Be comfortable in who God has made you to be. Because then that's how you can flow. You got to be real. So look to your neighbor and say, be real. real. Say it again, be real. real. A lot of you guys are faking it. My bad. You know, you guys know I love sneakers. (laughs) Stop it, Tony. Be nice. You guys know I love sneakers, right? But one of the main things that I dislike about the sneaker game is that you can make fake sneakers that look just alike. That bothers me. Because you don't know what you're buying now. The same way in church. You don't know what you're getting now. You know, they look like the real Jordans, but they're probably not. You know, does the suit and tie make you more holy? Does the dancing make you a better preacher? Or am I serving you with everything that I got? Does that even matter to you? You, so you can't receive from me because of the way that I talk and my age and the way that I act? You can't receive. And to be honest with you, the age shouldn't matter. I learned from my own daughter. My daughter teaches me lessons. Life lessons at that. I learned from Yasminda. I learned from Daniel. I learned from these very kids in this church, from Caitlin, from Genesis. Because if they could do it, they give me the encouragement that I could do it too. They're teaching me. Come on. The other day we had baptism service. I go in the back and I'm over here, you know, being my clown. Yasminda's preaching to another kid and she goes, uh, I'm preaching to her. Well, praise God to all God be the glory. What, I'm going to rebuke her for that? Because I'm the adult? No, 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 no. God can use anybody. He can use anybody. You got to be real. You got to be authentic. You got to be genuine. Most importantly, you got to be yourself. Yourself. Anything other than who God has created you to be is a counterfeit. And that is the enemy's doing. God did not create you to be somebody else. He wants you and he wants to use you for you. God doesn't make fakes. He doesn't make imposters. He doesn't make clones. There's only one of your DNA. (laughs) 
Listen, I said I was Nate. I never said I was a ninja with a black belt. Amen? For a moment, I thought these were nunchucks. And I was like, (laughs) amen. Listen, this is the most important thing. Don't wear a mask. (laughs) Don't wear a mask. You're either going to love me or you're going to hate me. But I'm going to still move. Don't wear a mask. Take off the mask. Take off the fake you. If you're struggling with something, find somebody that can pray with you. If you're you're dealing with insecurities, find somebody that can relate to you. Be authentic. Be who God made you to be. I see so many guys trying to be something that they're not. That they're not. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm not the most smartest dude in the room, and I can accept that. But I also know I'm not the dumbest dude in the room. And common sense cannot be taught. And it's something that I have. <laughs> if it's on fire, run. <laughs> if the room is too dark, don't go in. <laughs> if you hear a noise, be out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know these things. Why are people so weird nowadays? <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Jeez. I don't know where I was taught that. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. If you hear a gunshot, duck. <laughs> don't try to see who shot who. How many people I hear about dying in their apartment because they look out the window when the shots is fired? My mom was one of them. Mom, get away from the window. Like I said, people have a passion to be in Bronx 12. <laughs> yeah, I saw the shooter. The shooter was kind of small. He had red head. He ran that way. Mind your business before they come knocking on your door with like a black mask and holes and stuff, you know? Then you want to call for God then, right? He's like, you should have minded your business, Bertha. You should have just minded your business. That's what God would tell you. Mind your business. (sighs) Sorry, y'all. I'm passionate about this stuff. It's like, (laughs) I remember when I first came to church and I I started coming to the altar and people were praying for me. I used to see like 30 people trying to hear the prayer that they're praying over me. For what? Mind your business. Whatever I'm going through is not your concern. Why? Because there's four or five different people around me? You have to know what they're saying? Stay in the back. Chill out. Go get your, go get your old prayer. I'm looking to get delivered. Amen. Come on. I'm struggling with stuff. We're too busy trying to be in other people's business and stuff. And we want to be the answer of everybody's problem. You don't know it all. You don't have a title on life. Only God knows how to change these things. Only God has the answers. And he uses different people for different things. Mind your beeswax. I say this all the time in my job. You know this, right, George? Stay in your lane. Say, got no business with you. Stay focused on eternity. You know, instead of worrying about my eternity, worry about your eternity. Instead of worrying about how I dress, worry about how you dress. Look at your dressing. You should invite me to your house to get you color coordinated. You know what I'm saying? Nah, because people are quick to talk. But they're slow to listen. Everybody always got something to say, but they never want to listen. 
One of the best gifts that I have is that I can sit down and listen to anybody and take it. I might not like it, but I can go through the process. And eventually when God touches me, I'm ready to go. I don't accept it right away. I'm human. Because the first thing that comes to my mind is, pow! I don't do it because I know that God is working something out. I got to stay humble. And I got to listen. Because what they have to say is going to get me to that next level. See, because I'm focused on my eternity. I'm not focusing on my past. I'm focusing on who God is making me to be. You have to focus on who God is making you to be. And it's based on the decisions that you make. It's so important. These next steps, these next decisions can affect your whole life. Look at, look at that guy that was on the news, the rapper. He had, he had his whole life in front of him. And because of one decision, he decides to take out a gun while cameras is looking at him and shoot people and kill people. Now his whole career is over with because of a decision. Some of you got to make the decision that will prepare you into eternity. That will prepare you for God to use you on a mighty high level. Come on. You tell him you didn't appreciate that word from Cynthia? That word was powerful. It was potente. It was amazing. Fue grande. Todo poderoso. But it was a decision that she made. Did she have the right to make the decision? Did she have the right to say no? I'm going through something right now? She said yes. And then not only did she bless herself by saying yes, she blessed the congregation for listening to the message that God placed inside of her. It's based on a decision. Tony could have said, I'm not going to worship today. He's, he could have said, I can't be used. I was a Satanist. You don't know what I've been through. But he said, yes, I'm going to use the worship. And yes, I'm going to be touched by God. And my boy was crying today. The power of a decision can change your life. I know that some of you are tired. How many of you want to resign on Monday? How many of you want to resign on Monday? Say the truth, don't lie. I see it all over Instagram, so stop fronting. The minute I wake up, I go on my Instagram, I be seeing like little dogs with a mug, a little head rag. I don't feel like going to work today. These mimes or memes, whatever you call them, they're awesome. They have me laughing all the time. But a lot of you guys know you don't want to get up to go to work. You don't. Paul didn't want to get up and do the ministry. Do you know half of the things that Paul had to endure? Do you know the things that he struggled with, the stuff that he's been through? Let me find you the verse. It's in 2 Corinthians. You want to put it up for me? 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 28. Oh, I look good on camera. Second Corinthians 2, 11, 23 to 28. Okay. I speak as a fool. I am more. And the laborer is more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Let me read it for mine. It says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received 39 lashes, 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly moving from place to place. I have been in danger from rivers, from bandits, from my own countrymen, from Gentiles, in danger in my city, in the country, at the sea, and in danger from force from false brothers. I have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concerns for all the churches. And you think you have problems? You know what's a man? They used to persecute Christians. They used to kill Christians. Used to destroy Christians because he thought he was doing the right thing. And it took that one encounter with God for him to change his life around and then also go through all of this for God? This is why I don't judge people. This is why I don't look at somebody and put them in a category. Because God can use anybody. If he can use Paul, even after Paul literally killed people, not only that, Christian people, and God said, this is the man that I'm going to use to preach my gospel. This is the man that I'm going to use to bring my gospel in, to bring the glory in. This is the man that's going to write a bunch of books in the Bible. See, a lot of you disqualify yourselves, but you can't do that because you never know when you get closer to God what you can do for his kingdom. God used Paul mightily the minute that he said yes. The minute that he blinded him and he gave him a, 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 a supernatural turnaround, God's own people said, I accept him. In the beginning, they didn't. They were scared. And God had to use people and speak to people and say, no, now he's my son. He's not killing Christians anymore. Use him. Teach him. Lift him up. And that's exactly what happened to me in this church. God, the, he said to the people, use him, teach him, lift him up, because there's going to be a day on May 29th, 20, 2016, that I'm going to use him for my glory. You see? It's funny because it, it, it's those ones that we kind of look at and say they're never going to be anything, that God rises them up so high that you don't even recognize them anymore. That their old friends, when they see them, they go, I don't even know who you are. You're not even my boy anymore. It's all good. I don't need you. I just need God. People look at you now and your family don't even want to chill with you. They don't want to. Right now, you don't even have a picnic to go to probably because they don't want to hear what God has to do. They don't want to. You don't want you to come in and bless their food and none of that. But the minute that something chaotic goes in their life, they're coming and back running to you. And, 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 and the minute that they recognize how God is using you on a high level, now they want to humble themselves. Because they don't know what you've been through the minute that you said yes. You think Paul knew exactly what was going to happen to him? With the minute he said yes? The only thing that he knew that he was radically enough to kill what he believed in. He didn't know he was going to get 39 lashes several times. He didn't know that he was going to be in a boat wreck. He didn't know that he was going to be um, uh, kicked away from his own town. 
that his own people that he grew up with were going to shun him out? You think God told them that? You think there was a manual to this walk? I'm pretty sure that he would have known. He probably would have said no. But it's through that process that he was able to write those books in the Bible, those letters to those churches, that he was able to understand loving and kindness and able to receive the mercy of God. Because it's through those trials and tribulations that we see the hand of God in our lives. It's through that pain and that hurt and that loneliness and the times that we feel like nobody cares and nobody's worrying about you. It's those times that God tells you that I love you. It's me. I'm here with you. I'm going through this with you. So you, I need you to understand that no shipwreck can kill you. 39 lashes won't stop you. People disliking you is not going to hold you back. The only thing that you need to know is that God's mercy is greater than anything else that anybody else can offer. No man can offer the mercy of God. No man can offer the kindness of God. You need God more than you need anything else. And Paul knew that. And that's exactly why he kept pushing through it all. That's exactly why he never stopped preaching and he never stopped seeking the people that were lost because he knew that what God did for him, nobody else can do. If you ask Paul, why would you put up with it? Why would you travel by foot to all those places? Why would you put up with jail? Why would you put up with the beatings and the stoning? Why would you put up with the shipwrecks? Why would you go without food and sleep? Why would you go without comfort and safety? Why would you never give up? And his answer would be, for Jesus' sake. His response, you can also read it in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. He says, we often suffer, but we are never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we are knocked down, we get up again. When we are knocked down, we get up again. When you are knocked down, you have to get up. You can't stay there. Get up and keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't give up. God can use you and wants to use you. Second Corinthians 4.15, it says, all of these sufferings are ours and for our benefit. And the more of you who are one to Christ, the more they are to thank him for his great mercy. And the more God gets glory. Do you understand the more people that come to God is a sign of God's great mercy? And it's also a representation of God's glory? It's nothing greater than that. This is why we we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every single day. You might feel old, but that doesn't disqualify your spirit from being renewed. Age does not stop you from serving God. 
because your spirit is still alive. For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. The struggles that you're dealing with now, they're not going to last forever. And the thing is that we're all kind of Latino and African American in here. We exaggerate on everything. We, everything is an exaggeration. Truly, your problems are not that serious. You truly did not get lashed 39 times. You truly did not go through a shipwreck. I'm going to close it out with a couple of questions. Don't answer them. Just for you to think about and focus. Oh, the guitar? Guitar. (laughs) What's so funny about that? Because I said guitar? No, I'm curious. I don't know. My face? Was it my face? Is it my facial expression? Okay. I want you to focus and hear these questions. What prison have you been locked up in? What prison are you holding yourself in? Because from what I see, Jesus don't hold people captive. God is about freedom. God is about rejoicing. He's about love and kindness. He's, He's not about dark places. He's not about depression. He's not about anxiety. He's not about bad habits. God is about love. God is about mercy. And God is good. And he loves you. He cares about you. He dreams about you. Do you want to live the rest of your life just for yourself? Or do you want your life to be used by God? You want to wake up tomorrow and just think about you? Or you want to think about what God wants to do in your life? What excuse are you going to put before God? What excuse? What lie are you going to say now? What imagination are you going to come up with? to say that you cannot receive God's forgiveness and mercy? What wall are you going to decide to build up now? Because you're not lying to me. You're lying to him. I can't see what's in your heart. He can see what's in your heart. He knows why you've been holding back. He knows why you've been struggling to say yes. He knows. 
He's asking you to come out of that prison. He's asking you to let go of the shame, to let go of being afraid, to let go of the doubts. And he's asking you to receive his mercy. Your future is determined by certain moments of decisions. This is one of those moments. You know, um, I want to just give a list out of people that God used in the Bible before we go into another verse of this. So you can think about that everybody that God used had a problem. Everybody that God used had a past. 